Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And I have a guy with me today. Appearance number three on the Intentional Encourager podcast. When you can get people to come back a third time, it's you know it's it's, it's either they're bored or they have nothing else better to do, or or I just beg long enough to where I, I say please, please, but but when you're this guy, uh, an incredible guy, uh, my friend Steve Solomon, um, we we had he and and the, his co-host when he did the positivity chat. We had Steve telling his story and I'll share something with you that I learned from Steve in, in that initial conversation that you guys have benefited from on the intentional encourager podcast for a good while. But now he is the author of the new book, apples and oranges on your team, author, speaker, writer, leukemia survivor, Steve Sullivan, joining me on the intentional encourager podcast, Steve, how you doing? I am doing great, Brian. I am so excited to be here today. And I just want you to know you get the honor of being the first to interview me on my new book. I appreciate that. Yeah, your your book. As we I come to the best, buddy. Yes, yes. So uh, this episode will release, as we record this, we'll, it will release in, in about three weeks or so, and your book will be out. Yes. I want to I want to save that for a little bit later in our conversation. I want to go here. We talked probably in the middle of last year, the first time we sat down and did this this format. And so I want you to give everybody an update. How have have things changed for you? Well, let's go here. Let, let's instead let's let's do this. Give me something that you have taken away from the last 18 months or so that will become a regular part of either your business, your life, or maybe your daily routine? You know, Brian, that is a great question. And as you interviewed Karen and I before about the positivity chats, that laid a groundwork towards, you know, sending out positivity into the world. And as I've further developed and reflected on the whole vision and idea of, you know, voicing positivity, I came to understand what I consider the power of words. As you know, Proverbs talks about the, the tongue has the power of life and death. You know, you could say that the word words that we speak have the power of life and death. Mm -hmm. And so I'm currently doing a content series on that where I'm trying to encourage people to voice life, to use their words, to speak life, but not just that, voice it. Voice it not only in the words they use, but the actions, in the energy. There's so many ways we communicate to people, and that has been one growth thing in the last 18 months that I really treasure because it's helped to transform me. Yeah. You know, when I go out on walks, I'm ready to greet people. I'm smiling more. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm trying to encourage people more by voicing life to them. Let's go there for just a minute. I, I'm really glad you brought that up because I have had people that have come to me and they've said, man, you, you've got a radio voice. You, you've, got a, you've got a unique voice. And what I tell them, Steve, is one, I didn't always have this. When I started doing live radio 19 years ago, I, my voice was not as it is today. I have worked it. I have trained it. I have coached it to be and sound the way I want it to sound. And I'm a little bit different when I'm on this podcast than I am when I'm on a public address mic. If I'm in, in, in a crowd of people and I'm doing a basketball game, I, I'm a little bit more pronouncing things. I've been, you know, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm more forceful in, in, in my action and, and it's, and it's coaching and, and it's teaching. I love what you said about voicing. And here's what I wrote down, voicing life into your life. And, and it's about rehearsing and coaching. You've coached and, and led people for a lot of years. We talked about that. We talked about that when you were on the first time we talked about the transformation that you had to make in your team from from them being in the office to remote work and and you talked about leading that 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 productivity transition and the things that you learned from it let's go here when talking about voicing life into your life what's one thing that somebody says okay that sounds great but how do i voice life into my life well, one of the things that I am focusing on as I continue this series is showing appreciation to others. If you can learn the appreciation language of the people you work with or you live with, you'll be able to speak to them in a way that is meaningful and that though your words will come out as life and encouragement to them. Uh, you know, I sometimes give the example of, it, you know, you can't just say anything and expect it to encourage somebody. For example, if my neighbor came over and said, you know, good job mowing the yard, I'd be like, okay, thank you, but I really don't care about the yard. <laughs> That's well, not you know, or your neighbor came by and had a big foam finger and said, yeah, all right, Steve, way to, way to mow that yard, you know, first day, <laughs> all right, you know. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of companies do that with their employees. It's like, yeah, okay. All, was... all right, now you've, now you've done it. I knew you would. I knew you would open that door. So let's, so let's go there for just a second. I love what you just said about companies kind of kind of artificially overinflating the mood. Okay. And, and I've told people about that in encouragement. I said, listen, you've got to be targeted and specific when you encourage somebody. You can't be generic because then that just kind of feels superficial. And you have hit on something really powerful there. We, we have companies that, that, that believe that gestures of appreciation are greater than values of, a, than, than valuing p 
people. So let's go there for just a second. In your mind, as a, as a leader, as a, as a coach of, of other leaders, what can leaders do to really impart true value? In, and maybe we're going in, maybe we're diving into a little bit of apples and oranges, and that's okay. But you've really brought something out there about, about artificially creating an atmosphere in the room that's not exactly the right temperature it should be. So how can leaders create that real sustainable value and avoid those artificial pump-ups, if you will? And you, you're correct. You're touching on something dear that's in my book. You know, I have several stories. But the main goal is to get leaders to reflect on how they interact with their teams and to do that, to be effective in something like showing appreciation or acknowledgement or recognition. You need to know your people. You know, far too many companies just leave it to HR and HR goes off and does something like it's you know, Starbucks cards or McDonald's cards. And they say, Hey, pass them out when your team members do a good job. And, and I'm not sure anybody <laughs> feels like they're being appreciated that yeah. way. Um, in fact, in one study rewards as a act of appreciation only really hits home to 6% of the working, uh, population. Far more is the words of affirmation. If you know what's important to somebody's heart and you speak to that level, uh, for example, if you've got somebody that you know is creative on your team and loves to express creative creativity, calling them out or even just pulling them aside and one-on-one -on -one saying, Hey, I appreciate the quality that you put into this presentation and how you brought in these great videos and, and so on and so forth, you could find things to comment on that that employee would walk away and say, wow, my boss values what I do. Yeah. Cause ultimately that's what you're trying to communicate to your employees. And if you can do that, then you will find that you'll have employees that are engaged more excited to come to work potentially more productive than team members that are just disengaged yeah yeah uh, and you know i was thinking about something as you were talking there if i really wanted to show you in some way how i valued you or you know your contributions things like that if you're watching on video, Steve's got a beautiful bolo tie on this morning. And if I really wanted to, to create some value within you, I might say, I might come to you and I might say, you know, Steve, I was traveling last week. I was in this really cool place. And I saw this and I thought of you and I handed you maybe a, a, a nice bolo tie with a, with a stone in the middle of it mm -hmm. or something like that. The value, it, it may not have the significant monetary value. And I, I love what you said about that. 
But you might go, you thought enough of me that, that you searched this item out and got it for me. And wow, that, that means the world to me. And it's what you're, you're really just, just really on target with what you're saying, Steve, about how people, how we think people want to be valued, but in actuality, how they really want to be valued. So let, let, let's go here just for a second before we take a break. What's one action item that a leader can do right now today? They listen to our conversation and they go, Steve, you, you have pricked my heart. I want to start valuing my, yeah, I want to start valuing my people greater. What's one action item that they can take today that'll help them start to build value in those folks? They need to start with awareness. So it certainly encourage them to sit down, write out the names of their team members, and then try and think, what do they know about that person that's important to that person? I mean, it might be sports like for you and the Bengals, uh, but that might just be a superficial thing. Uh, you know, maybe it's the fact that you wrote this great sales book, people buy from people and, and you put your heart into that. So when somebody acknowledges your book, you feel like, wow. You know, they get me, they appreciate what I had to give them. Uh, so it's, it's important not to just superficially understand, uh, but to try and spend the time with your employees to get that heart to heart conversations to find out what's really important to them. Cause you know, I can think of a number of people who might say their families are important to them. And so if you as a boss say to them, Hey, I know your family's really important to you. If there's some kind of family event that comes up that you need time off for, you come and talk to me and we'll work it out. Yeah. Yeah. That would make them feel really valued and really appreciated. Or if somebody come, or if, you know, if a leader comes to you and say, Steve, listen, Man, I know you're a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan, and they're playing in and they're playing in Chicago. And I just want you to know that, you know, it because you value your family and things like that. I was thinking, man, somebody gave me these tickets, but I want you to have them because you you mean something to us. And, and they look you in the eye, and you can see the sincerity. Or maybe they send a little handwritten note. And maybe at the bottom, it says go chiefs or something like that, which you're yeah. a Kansas city chiefs fan. And, and, and again, those things. And, and, and I had a friend of mine that did that. We, we met over LinkedIn. We've become good friends. And I was talking to him one day and he said, be sure he, he texted me and said, I need your, your address. So I sent him my address and we were talking that morning. He said, be sure you go by your post office. He said, what I sent you is there. And he is friends with the family of the backup quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, got him Brandon Allen. He's been, he's known the Allen family for a long time and known Brandon Allen since he was a kid. 
Well, he sends me a hat from the locker room that Brandon Allen signed. He said, "I listen, I know it's not Joe Burrow, but but man, <laughs> that, that really spoke to me. And, and it's what you're saying, Steve, and it's really what you're drilling in on is the small gestures. And, and I love what you said. I know he said we were going to take a break, but I love what you said about the real, the real percentage, you know, 6% really only, you know, what the 6% of those, those monetary rewards, what we think people value, it's a minute percentage of what people actually value. Correct perceived value versus actual value let's step aside take a break let's go a little bit deeper on that and when we come back i'm also we're also going to talk about steve's book apples and oranges on your team and then a little bit later i, I we didn't do this the first time but steve steve really he did something when he was on the first time that changed the way the intentional encourager podcast goes and so I, I i want to go a little bit deeper with steve there my guest is now author of the book apples and oranges on your team steve sullivan joins me today on the intentional encourager podcast back in just a moment Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Steve, what you were talking about before the break about value is so good. So let's let let's take that conversation to apples and oranges. Where does the hidden value in apples and oranges lie within the book? When when somebody picks a copy of that book up and they go, I'm looking for because I'll do that sometimes. I'll go, okay, where where's the chocolate hidden in the in the cupboard? You know, when when we were kids, my parents would hide the chocolate or something like that. But where where is that 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 real in apples and oranges, where do you feel like that real hidden value is in, in the book? That is, that is a great question. And your analogy of chocolates really applies to my book because I have written what some people call our parables. Uh, I use metaphors in every story. I love metaphors because they're, they're like a story within a story and metaphors force you to think outside the box, to think differently. And so uh, much of my book is not, oh, here's how to be a leader. Uh -uh. 
most of my book is here's stories of how you can impact a life. And I leave you with a question to reflect on that and draw from it the particulars of your own situation, mm -hmm. how you might apply that in your environment, because each team is different. It might be a team of volunteers for a social cause. It might be a uh, cross-departmental team. Mm -hmm. um, it might be just your group. Those are all different ways people come together and work together. And so how you relate to those teams or lead those teams is going to have differences. And so I want you to think about different ways to stand up and be a leader that is life-giving, that voices life into the people you work with. Because if you can do that, your team will excel. They'll want to work hard for you. They won't want to leave you because you'll be quickly the best boss they've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's where companies win. And they sometimes they, I'm so frustrated because they see people as assets as maybe cogs in the wheel and, oh, we can go off to China someplace and replace that cog. And that's can't be further from the truth. People are unique individuals. And if you can develop that uniqueness and develop those abilities, they will yeah. excel and expand and bring value to your company in ways you've never considered. That's brilliant. So there's a couple things that I want to park on there. Okay. And, and, and I love that. And I, and, and forgive me for, for having that pounce in men, because you, you were just, you, you were really just triggering some things. So the first thing that you said that was, that was so good. So many times when people write books or, and, and even when I wrote people buy from people, People would say, well, what's your book about? And I would say, well, it's the 10 powerful people lessons that I learned from the ultimate people person, my dad. It's right on, right on the title of the book. I loved what you said about what your book isn't. Because a lot of people will say, you know, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. And you said, listen, if this is what you want in a leadership book, don't buy. What you said without saying it is, if this is what you're looking for, if you're looking for the quick fix, don't buy apples and oranges on your team. And so I love, and I, and, and I know you well enough to know that's a part of who you are, that integrity of, listen, I, I didn't write this to sell a billion copies. If, if that happens, and, I hope and, so. <laughs> well, and listen, I'll, I'll be right there rooting for you to do that. But that's not the intention of why you wrote the book. And I think a lot of people, Steve, I believe a lot of people want to be authors. They want to be influencers. Or they want to do this because that's where they feel like the gold is. It's like the, the relentless pursuit of the gold. Yes. And, and, and you'll find a lot of times that you lose impact when you're, when you're just, when you're so tunnel vision focused on pursuing the gold you don't realize the other people around you that you could have impacted. Whereas 
and, and forgive me for going long-winded here. My stepfather's father just passed away. And on his, his, his first wife's side, her father was very influential in the church that we, that in, in our denomination, he was very well known, internationally well known. He was a missionary and things like that. So when he died, there were tons of people that came to mm. his funeral. I mean, it was a, it was a massive thing. My stepfather's father just passed away and they had it in a small room in a funeral home, but his impact on me was profound. And you might say, well, the impact that he had was not as great as what the other man had because he was so internationally known. But when you think about those people that were there to honor him, his impact on them was great. And so I had to just dive in there because what you were saying is, to me, what I felt like you were saying was, let this book impact your team and don't use it as a quick fix, but let these concepts get into your, your subconscious, get into your heart. Let these become things that over time become a part of your culture. Did I miss that? Did I miss that part of, of what you no, were talking about? No, no, you, you said that well, because it, it is, it's, you know, I sometimes call these meditations, you know, and in the beginning of the book, I have a section on how to use this book. And I basically spell out and suggest that leaders read it slowly from the standpoint of one story a day over one month, they will have gone through the book. But if they take that moment, the two minutes it takes to read a story, they're bite size and then walk away with the question, the metaphor, and begin to reflect on that, it might lead them to radical ideas and changes in how they lead their teams and make them more successful. Um, but you're right, it's not a, here's the one, two, three, four, five steps. Yeah. You know, I don't wanna give people the five steps to be a great leader. Um, because that, if I did, it would be what I think are the five steps to be a great leader. But you might think that there's another set of five steps to be a great leader. So what I want to do is create a book that all leaders can look at and become a part of the stories to yeah. reflect on how that story might relate to them and their relationships with others. I want to read something from the first part of your book. You talk about your creative journey mm -hmm. and, and here's what I want to read of it. You, you said this, you said to vary my content on social media, I shared with one of my followers in posting it, the joy of storytelling rekindled in my heart. And, and Steve, what you were just talking about is so powerful because it's the ultimate way we as human beings relate to where we are in our lives or what we're doing in our lives right now. I know when I was in sales, I would share stories mm -hmm. with people 
about other people, I would leave the names out or maybe change the name or something like that. But I would say, you know, it reminds me of a time when this particular situation happened, just like yours. And here's how we, we fixed it. Here's how we dealt with it. Yes. And, and I, I believe if, if you'll take these same steps, maybe in a little bit different way that you'll get the similar results. It'll solve your problem. But what people want to know, I believe this, and this is why one of the things that you, and I'll share this with you now, one of the things that your first appearance on the Intentional Encourager podcast taught me was to go deeper. And, and here's why I want to bring that up to you and, and, and thank you publicly for that because I've mentioned this before to other people. You were talking about your first battle with leukemia. Yes. And we were talking about that. And I felt this prompting in inside of me to ask you more, to go a little bit deeper. And you were telling me about your second battle with leukemia and go back and listen to that conversation and, and Steve, that was an eye-opening moment for me to prod and push deeper to the point where I'll jump in a little bit more and say, give me a little more conversation around that. You sure. taught me that there is so much more to the story. And a lot of times you have to pull it out to get to the real heart of where it is. So before we take a break, what part of storytelling did you rediscover in writing apples and oranges that you had forgotten about or maybe hadn't exercised in a good while? Yeah, in the early 90s, so over 30 years ago, I started writing a series of short stories, mainly from a devotional standpoint. Uh, I would take you know, potentially a scripture, a scriptural idea, a scriptural image, and write a story around it in a way that would convey the message or the truth differently and get people, again, to think about it in a non-standard way. And I really enjoyed doing that, writing those stories. But as my life got busy and I was into work and various things, I just set those things aside. And it, it wasn't until a few years ago when, you know, I was laid off after, after a merger and found myself with time that I rediscovered them and said, hey, I should go back and see if I can write some more. And yeah. I just took it one step at a time, but each step people responded so positively that encouraged me to keep going, that somewhere God's given me a gift to write these short stories that have the potential of a powerful statement or impact on somebody. Yeah, that's so good. Let's step aside, take another break. We come back. We'll talk a little bit more about apples and oranges and again, I want Steve to tell you a little bit about his his story and his life, where he's gone, where he's come from, from from battling leukemia, 
I said that. I remember saying that. I'm like, we got to have you back to tell more of that story. Maybe we can dive a little bit deeper into that. Um, but again, I would encourage you, and Steve's going to tell you at the end of the of the episode how you can get a copy of Apples and Oranges. My guest, Steve Sullivan, the author of Apples and Oranges on your team, back on the Intentional Encourager podcast in just a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email. And I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Steve, let me ask you this. If I... If I picked up a copy, of, when I pick up a copy of Apples and Oranges, everybody has asked me, they're like, what's your favorite chapter in People Buy From People? I said, well, it's the first one. That's why I put it first. It's, you know, it's People Buy Consistency. That's my, you know, but, but, but again, when you write, it's like saying, well, what, you know, if I had more than one kid, like, who's your favorite kid? I'm like, well, I love all of them equally. I love every concept in my book, and I'm sure you do too. What's the one concept that people will just go, this is it. This this says what apples and oranges is supposed to say. Right? What did did I ask well, that there, question correctly? I don't know if there's I don't know if there's one because each story touches on different elements of life. And the great thing about the stories and what I love is to talk to people who've read them and, and say, you know. What stories can you think of that stood out to you, that meant something to you? And they'll pull up a story that, you know, I quite frankly, sometimes I've thought, oh, I kind of forgot I even wrote that. Because um, this journey of writing has been interesting for me because I, as I first started writing, I'm so thankful I had a, a great writing partner, Mario Castella. He would, you know, I'd run him past him to let him do a little bit of editing and and give me some a little bit of direction because they're really relatively short stories. And I can't tell you the number of times I sent him something and said, you know, I don't think this is very good. I think maybe I should just throw this in the trash. And he'd come back and say, No, Steve, don't throw it away. This is a powerful story. You need to put it out there. And I would put it out there 
and be surprised at the overwhelming response to it. And I learned very quickly, I could never determine after writing a story whether it would be a success or a failure. You know, most of the, the stories that I wrote uh, that I thought, oh, this is going to do really good. Yeah. Hardly, <laughs> hardly resonated with people. And the ones where I thought, oh, I don't think this is going to do very well. <laughs> They're the ones that resonated yeah. with people. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, let me ask you this because, again, and I want to I want to make this conversation about you and your book, but but people ask me, you know, when I talked about my dad, there were times that I was writing that I had to take a step back because I got emotional telling the story or thinking back to the day that my dad passed away and kind of me now stepping back and, and just kind of almost kind of like watching a movie so to speak and 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 then just remembering okay this is what i felt this is what i was thinking and it kind of got emotional was there a particular story that you were writing in this book where you had to step back because the emotions started to overcome in you and maybe different people have different things about that i'm just thinking about you mentioned a moment ago impact and how something affected you and you thought, well, this is going to be affecting somebody else and it didn't resonate quite like you thought. But was there a particular story that that you that really was just like, man, this is this impacts me right now as I'm writing? Well, I, I know what you're asking, and I would say that the times when I've written about like my cancer battles and all that, yeah, I I do experience those type of emotional responses and sometimes have to step back or work through it these short stories are fictional and so oftentimes what generated a story was just simply my observation i would see something out in nature in particular and think what does that mean and then as i thought about that I then began to spin a story in my mind of, oh, here are some aspects about a tree or a pearl or, you know, a box that could be utilized to tell a story and, and to communicate a powerful message. And so it would just come to me and I'd write them and then, and then release them on what was called you know, my story Saturday series on LinkedIn. Uh, and all of them, except for one in the book were released on that series. I did yeah. write one particular for the book, uh, based off the title, apples and oranges on your team. I did write a story just for that and put it in the book. Um, but most of the stories in there at least started out on LinkedIn. They were, fine-tuned, elaborated on a little bit because of, you know, LinkedIn has certain limits. But I I love when I get caught up in this moment of writing and, and quickly, you know, in an hour, I'll crank out a story. Yeah. And move forward, you know, where because I'm doing short stories, it makes it simple. Other authors, when I talk to them, they're trying to, you know, build upon a plot line over a long period of time so they get yeah. stuck 
you know, and they're, you know, they plan, okay, I'm going to work on my book this many times. Um, I had the luxury pretty much of going with the flow. Yeah. When, when the writing spirit, all that caught up with me. So a lot of these stories come out of that flow and it's so important to understand flow and how to tap into that. And, and that's one of the things that people may not know, uh, unless they watch this and listen to the podcast is that there is such a thing as flow. Uh, you can look it up, uh, but it really talks about how do you get into that moment when you're, when in your mind, your body, everything just flows perfectly and you can crank out something. And uh, as studies have shown, leaders that get into the flow can sometimes in four hours do more work than leaders spending 40 hours in a week. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like a workout. You, you, you're not in the flow 100% of the time. It's like you go into the gym and you do that workout and then you got to take a day or two off to recover. Then you go back in and you work out again. Flow's kind of like that. You know, it comes over you and when it does, you need to tap into it, utilize it, then recover from it and hopefully then tap into it again. I wrote a lot of my book in a Mexican restaurant. So maybe the flow of my, you know, different Mexican restaurants that I was dining in. So maybe my flow was, was salsa induced. I, I don't know, you know, could have been, could have been the tortilla chips talking, you know, I, you know, I would have joined you on that flow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I got one last question for you. You've been so gracious with your time. I probably may ask you a second one. You mentioned the first time that we got together, our first episode, you mentioned being a leader of a large cross-functional team yes. in the IT space. If you could sneak in, if you could go back in time and sneak into your office, leading that team and put your book on the desk, how do you think leader Steve Sullivan would have responded to author Steve Sullivan and the concepts around apples and oranges on your team in some ways it would help me grow in other ways what you see coming out in these stories are leadership lessons i learned as a leader and practice as a leader um you know you you learn from different things and i'm a big proponent of servant leadership and as I think about that and how I started in this, you know, Brian, I started as a youth stepping into leadership roles. But I think the one thing that transformed me as I recognized as a youth, as I tried to reach out to some kids in my high school who were kind of the druggies, the people on the outside, um, and I realized it was hard because I didn't come from that background. I didn't know what they were dealing with, yeah. but I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I don't know how to love these people, love them 
through me. Yeah. And he started to do that. And that's really the source of my leadership over the years has been to say, okay, how can I love, how can God love through me to my team? And does that mean I've been perfect? No, I made several mistakes and I am thankful for the feedback that I got along the way to make me better. Um, uh, because you, you, as a leader, you fall into patterns that you don't always recognize. Yeah. You don't really understand how they might impact your team until somebody brings it to your attention. And then you realize, oh, okay. You know, just walking by people, not smiling, not saying hi to them, you know, because I'm mentally cranking through yep. some kind of solution that needs to be built because then my engineering mind's on. Yep. Um, I had no idea that the John I walked by was interpreting that as me being angry with them or not liking him and, until one of my dear team members she was never afraid to speak up, came to me and said, Steve, you know, John over there is feeling really bad because of you. Do you, you know, he's questioning if you even like him. And I'm like, where did he get that? Well, when you walked by him to the bathroom, you didn't even say hi to him. And I was like, oh, yeah, that that's a great example of not giving life <laughs> or voicing life. And I'm thankful that uh, Ellie, who came to me, told me that so I could go to John and say, John, I am so sorry. You're a very valuable member of my team. I appreciate you. Yeah. Don't misinterpret me if I'm in this engineering mode mindset. But hey, I will try and do better in greeting people in the hallway. Well, in, in there are times that in in I'll, I'll defend that behavior a little bit <laughs> because because here's what happens a lot of times people don't know what you've had to do and and, and i say it this way the first time i became a leader my friend who i was taking over for pulled me aside and he called me he always called me sexy he's by my last name being sexy <laughs> yeah. He always called me sexy. He'd done that for years. He said, sexy, let me tell you something. Now you're going to see what I shielded you from. <laughs> and, and a lot of times people don't understand that in leadership, you might have just taken a bullet for that person you're walking by. You might have just gotten, I mean, you may have had something and, and you need time to process it. You need time to 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 internalize it um you need time to to figure out okay how can and and i love what you just said how can god love through me to my team maybe you got to deliver a hard message to that person and you're trying to figure out the best way to do it and you're you're taking that time in your mind going how am i going to not really damage or destroy this person but I've got to give them some feedback. I've got to give them this message. I've got to deliver this. And I'll tell my wife and son sometimes when I have to deliver something hard, I'm like, don't shoot the messenger. You know, don't shoot the messenger. I, I, I'm just, you know, it's almost like the, in, in, you mentioned in the Bible, I tell people all the time, you want to have the servant of Job mentality. 
when you look at the story of Job in the Bible, when, when bad things happen, there's one person, there's one servant that escapes to tell Job that these bad things have happened. And I said, look, when there's death and destruction around you, you want to be the servant of Job. You want to be the dude that escapes all of it. And so that's the thing that I'm thinking is when you said that, Steve, a lot of times people don't understand what you just had to deal with. Or, and, and I'm not trying to make an excuse for it. No, but sometimes you have to, yeah, go ahead. You're, you're correct. They, they may not know what I'm dealing with or those other things, but what I drew out of that lesson was how I present myself to my team and packs my team just by walking by and not greeting them can make an impact on one of your team members. It may make no impact on another team member. The question is, what is your intention in working with your team? Do you not care or do you care? And as a leader, I care. So it was like, okay, if I'm intentionally or unintentionally, let's put it that way, sending forth a message that I do not want to communicate, then I want to change that behavior so that my behavior is intentional and communicating with those people. Yeah, and, and we can always file that away, too. We can always come back to that person and say, look, I don't want you. And I had a, a similar story um, that happened to me at church a, a few years ago. I was talking to somebody, and I really had to train myself to make eye contact with people. Mm. I had to train that part of my brain. So that when someone is speaking now, I'm, I'm very comfortable with it. When, when someone speaks to me, if you catch me looking to the side, I want to, I want to give Steve the perception that I'm looking him in the eye as he's speaking. And so I was talking to somebody, somebody came up to greet me and I, I just kind of did this. I said, you know, hold up, hold on a second. I went to that person a few minutes later and I said, I didn't want you to think I was rude, but if I if I check, if I acknowledge you, then my, in my brain, I'll, I will want to check out of that conversation that I'm having to, to focus in on you. And I said, I want you to know that when I'm speaking to you and you, when you and I are talking, I'm going to give you the same respect. And he looked at me and he said, I've been in sales over 20 plus years. And he said, I knew exactly what you were doing. There's no harm here. You were making that person feel completely present in the moment, just as you're making me feel completely present in the moment. And, 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 and I learned something there that, you know, you can make someone, you don't have to shun someone, but you can, you can bring that person back into that discussion at a later time. Steve, I, I want to be respectful of your time and, and the audience's time. What is the biggest piece of intentional encouragement that people will find in apples and oranges on your team? I think from the people I've heard, I've heard from a lot of people who are under bad managers, managers who don't care about their people. Uh, maybe they don't even want to intentionally 
you know, maybe in their own mind, they think they care about their people, but their, their actions and how they work with their team does not communicate that. And as they read these stories, they'll often leave, you know, lifted up, so to speak, like, yeah, you know, I wish my manager would do some of this with me uh, and feel like they're able to experience maybe in a virtual way with me that feeling that they would love to have with their manager. And so, you know, from that standpoint, uh, I think it's broader than the leaders, but I certainly want the messages to get to the leaders that investing in people is the way to be successful. Wow. Investing in people is the way to be successful. I could not agree more. Steve, let folks know how they can find apples and oranges on your team. Where can they get it? Um, it'll release October 7th. And as we release, so it'll be released after or before this podcast releases. So tell folks where they're going to be able to get it. You'll be able to find it on Amazon. Uh, either as an ebook, soft cover, or a hardback cover, if you're one of those people who really like hardbacks. Uh, you can also potentially pick it up at a bookstore. Uh, I'm not sure how many bookstores will actually carry it, but if you were to walk into your favorite bookstore and ask them if they can order you a copy, they will be able to order you a copy and, and get it for you. That's awesome. And, and by the way, uh, Steve so graciously asked me to, to, to write a, a recommendation. So my recommendation will be in the, in the front of that book. And I was honored to do so when he asked me to do it. And I'm honored to have the first conversation about apples and oranges on your team with my friend, Steve Sullivan, Steve, thank you so much for your time today and joining me on the intentional encourage podcast. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.